Well, hello, welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm a pastor here. I'm joined by another pastor here. His name is John Bruce. He is my dad. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. Good. Me too, on this Victory Tuesday. Yes, Victory Tuesday. Really, it was Victory Monday, I think, is usually what they yeah. day they celebrate. It's all week. It's all week. But it's a short week this week. It so. is a short week. Dad, do the Niners have a flaw? Um, they're coaching. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. But I think, they, I think uh, they had to make some adjustments this week. They did. Yeah. Maybe they did, or did they just play better in the no, second half? No, he made he. From what I read, the mm. the defensive coordinator was kind of playing their old, the way they used to play defense, and not putting in his own stuff, and so they got more aggressive, and that's kind of what shut down the Rams. And you know, Dad, that reminds me of a, <laughs> a central truth that sometimes you get in a rut with your habits. <laughs> and you got to change them. That's right. You got to change them. It's painful. It's difficult. It's humbling. And yet the end result is victory in life, isn't That's it? That's right. Victory over whatever ram you're facing, <laughs> really. Life is making adjustments. Life is making adjustments yeah. and replacing bad habits with good habits. That's what we're talking about. And today we're going to continue our series, Smart People, What Proverbs Teaches About Building Habits. In a sense, Proverbs is really the Bible's habit book. Yeah. Because it's all about wisdom, and biblical wisdom isn't speculative knowledge, it's practical knowledge. It's learning how to develop the skills, the habits, the disciplines we need to work with the grain of God's universe. Right. To, to embrace the created order as, as God has given it, and then work in concert with it. And so Proverbs is all about habits, financial habits, relational habits, beginning with the fear of the Lord, taking God seriously. If he's the creator, if he's made everything, how do I take him seriously, and, and what habits should I cultivate? So that's what we've been talking about, and we've moved from money to relationships now. We've talked about marriage, the most important relationship, but now we're going to talk about another relationship that I think Proverbs would say is incredibly important, and yet many people in our culture would say is not that important, or at least it doesn't seem to be that important based on what we see in culture, and that relationship is friendship. Right. Proverbs talks a lot about picking the right friends and prioritizing right. friends. Right. Uh, Dad, where would you like to start, friend, friend. in talking about... <laughs> This issue. Well, I think just to kind of get the background a little bit, America has been on a steep decline in in the priority of friendships over the last fifty years or so. the The percentage of people who volunteer for political ca campaigns are about half now what they were in the '60s. Membership in PTA, Shriners, Rotary, clubs like that are less than half of what they were in the '70s. Church attendance is down 50%. Um, people visit friends for dinner or do things socially far less. Um, every measure of participation in community and civic life has declined steadily over the last 50 years. Most people don't know, the, know their neighbors. Um, I think it's um, a quarter of Americans say they have no one they can share their problems with. They're totally alone. And yet, 
Sociologists tell us that friendships are the single most determinative factor in longevity, even more important than diet and exercise, which I find hard to believe, but that's what they say. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> friendships are important, and we're not doing very well in friendships today. And it's an interesting chicken or the egg problem, right? Uh, as these mediating institutions in society have dissolved, mm -hmm. um, did that lead down to did that lead to the breakdown of friendship, or did those institutions dissolve because friendships were breaking down? Yeah, right. But in any case, that there aren't as many natural bonds of friendship or ways for people to be together. Exactly. You can blame technology. You could blame the pace of society. You can blame polarization. All of these things. Uh, but the bottom line is this, people don't have friends anymore. Right. Um, right. and, and it gets worse with each successive generation. Yes, exactly. And, and, and so as you get younger, you, people tend to get lonelier. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, that, that health indicator is, is so interesting. I heard one doctor say, I'm not aware of any other factor, not diet, smoking, exercise, stress, genetics, drug, surgery, that has a greater impact on our incidence of illness and the chance of premature death. Loneliness yeah. is what will kill you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so and, it's yeah. important. Yeah, it is important. And I think it's particularly important. Um, I, I would say society's bad at it, but men are particularly bad at this. Yeah, um, yeah. And in fact, if you just want to look at the incidence of premature death and why men die early, deaths of despair are a huge reason. Um, and you mm. think about it, a death of despair so often is because of social isolation. Yeah. You know, a drug overdose, killing yourself with alcohol, a suicide, yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, often, one of the key contributing factors is just no thick community. Yeah. And I think it, it plays into a, a very strong cultural idea that men can kind of go it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that we don't need uh, thick relationships. And yet, if you look at the ancients, if you look classically, masculinity was often thought of as a shared trait. You're part of a tribe of men. That's yeah. what it means to be part of a man, not this sort of self-made person right. uh, detached from other male relationships. Right. That's good. Well, I thought we'd jump off with Proverbs 13.20 um, as kind of a theme verse for this. I, I, I think we'll probably spend a couple of weeks on this. I, I'd like for us to, to spend this week on just why friendships are important. Great. And then next week, how do you, or next time we come, we'll, we'll do how do you make friends? How do you keep friends? Hmm. Those come from Proverbs. So Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. And I think what that proverb is saying is that we become like those with whom we associate the most. Yeah. The friends we choose will have a powerful impact on us, whether good or bad. And uh, that's why we need to be careful in, in having friends and picking the right friends. Yeah, it makes me think of Psalm 1 and the contrast uh, that the psalmist gives us. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so there's this contrast between being shaped by God's word or being shaped by what? The counsel of the wicked, <laughs> the way of sinners, <laughs> yeah. or the seat of, of scoffers. Yeah. And as many commentators have noted, there's a, a progression there between kind of how you think to who you identify with to where you belong. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that's good. But, but that can happen without us even realizing it, that, boy, you know, the people I associate with, you, you just start to think like them. Yeah, 
even without knowing it, you you take on their priorities. Yeah. You take on their opinions. You take on their attitudes toward life. Yeah. Their yeah. goals become your goals. Right. No, I, that's a great point. Is 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 the, the the current of the world is going the opposite of of the way of God, and so to go in the way of God, it has to be deliberate. It has to be something you're choosing to do. Rather than just kind of going along with whatever is popular or whatever is easy, so that's a great, great reminder. Well, and I think too, one of the misconceptions might be, well, I have the Word of God; that's what guides me. So, me and the Bible are the safeguard uh, from all of the ways of the world. Yes, yes. Uh, but the Bible itself would say <laughs> that that one of the key ways God protects us from error and folly is through godly counsel right. and wise friends. Right. And, and you really see that assumption in Proverbs that wise people listen to advice. Yeah. Uh, again and again, they listen to life-giving reproof. Now, what does that assume? <laughs> that there's lots of people around you who have the freedom to give you reproof yeah. and advice and speak into your life because whoever isolates themselves seeks their own desire. They break out against all sound right. judgment. So you not only are listening to wise people, you have access to wise people. Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by wise people. Yeah. So it gets back to what we're talking about, about friendship. Yeah, and I just don't think people often, I don't often take stock of how much the people close to me uh, shape me, you know, Mm -hmm. and would cause me to make decisions I would never have made unless I was around those people. There was a a study on um, divorce that came out fairly recently, but it talks about divorce clusters. Mm. And and in essence, Mm. divorces happen within social groupings. And basically, if you have a friend group and one couple gets divorced, the odds of other couples in that friend group go up exponentially. Yeah. yeah. Exponentially. And, and, and it, it's something sociologically happens where this becomes a possibility because your friends do it. Yeah. You begin to talk with the divorced person about that. Yeah. Now, now aside from all the, you know, the biblical grounds for divorce or whatever, just, just throw that out for a second and just realize that that is, you don't want to get a divorce. <laughs> Yeah. If you're married, you want to avoid that if at all possible. Yeah. Your friends would shape even that decision profoundly. Um, yeah. If you're if you're around healthy marriages, you're more likely to have a healthy marriage. If you're around lots of dysfunctional marriages, you're more likely to tolerate a lot of dysfunction in your marriage. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I read along that line this week somewhere that about 70% of one survey was done, 70% of divorced people say they regret getting a divorce. Hmm. They say we should have worked it out. We should have hung in there. We should have worked harder. We could we be a lot better off than than uh, we are now. So, and that shows that the immediate impact of the people you're hanging around uh, work to your detriment. So that's good. I wanted to to look at not proverbs so much, but a little bit of Ecclesiastes, who Solomon also wrote, because I think it has some good reasons to make friends and. Uh, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because. So he's going to talk about here are the reasons it's good to have a friend. Here are the reasons investing in relationships is important. Two are better than one. Uh, we're stronger, better, stronger together than we are by our loan. We're more effective together. We're healthier together. And Solomon tells us why in the following verses. And I uh, that just that two are better than one made me think of what what God says in the Garden of Eden that it is not good for man to be alone. That here Adam has a a perfect relationship with God. He's in a perfect environment, 
He's got a perfect body. I mean, everything is perfect. But God says, is the one that says, you cannot be fully human. You cannot be everything I've designed you to be by yourself. Yeah. You, you need a, a helpmate. And I think that's why Jesus said all the, the commands in the Bible can be summarized by love God and love your neighbor, yeah. that God created us for both. Yep. So anyway, uh, do you have anything you want to add there? So the first reason he says that two are better than one, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So it's just greater productivity yeah. that you can accomplish more together than you can by yourself. And Solomon continues, for if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not one to lift him up. I think what Solomon is saying is that none of us are made out of steel. We all get weak. We all get just uh, ill or we lose sight of the goal or stuff like that. So when you're laboring along with somebody, they can give you strength when you need strength. They can give you direction when you need direction. Because we all get discouraged. We all get tired. That's just mm -hmm. part of the human. We all make mistakes. Yeah. And I think that's why business partnerships uh, tend to do much better in new businesses than sole partnerships mm -hmm. because they get discouraged less. Mm -hmm. They can't bear it. So that's one thing, more productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of... Um forget the organization, but they did a, a global study called Voices of the Poor, and they just interviewed people on what it's mm. like to be poor. And what's hard about it, and, and what was interesting, is that as the poor shared their experience, they didn't talk so much about material lack, they talked about relational lack. Yeah, yeah. Th that was the main thing, was a feeling of being despised or looked over, um, you know, that there was no one to help me. Yes. And, and no thick web of relationships to catch me. And yeah. I just don't think we realize how much we take for granted the, the the web of relationships around us that really make us who we are. And when you don't have that, that's the essence of poverty, is is not having that social capital. Yeah. Uh, that as you're saying, there's such a there's such a um, link between those things. Yeah. Between your, you know, your <laughs> You know, the, the cheesy business, what your net work is your net worth, you know, yeah. is, a, is what they always say. But but there is truth to that, that, yeah. that, that we are enriched so much by relationships. Yeah. Um, and, and that actually does lead to, to greater security, which is what Solomon is, is saying there. Yeah. That, that if one falls, you have someone to pick you up. The, yeah. the greater your, your social capital, the, the more protected you are yeah. from, from harm. That's great. Yeah, I think one of the great myths in American culture is the myth of the self-made man or the self-made woman. That people that think, well, I'm I'm responsible, but they don't think of all the doors that were open to them by through relationships or people who gave them a chance or uh, people who you know just introduced them to someone or something like that. That that the the thicker the web of relationships you have, the more successful you're going to be because we need each other. I, I heard someone talking about Tim Keller, and they reflected one thing about his life is that he would always spend time investing in promising young thinkers who really had nothing to offer him. Huh. That he would just give them his time. That's great. Um, but the reason is that he could open doors for them. Yeah, yeah. That no one else could. Yeah. And he wasn't getting a return on it, but it really shows you um, we all need those kind of relationships yeah. where someone of higher status, higher power opens a door for us to get yeah. um, through a barrier or gives us access to a world we wouldn't have had access to otherwise. Right. And and for 
those that are listening to us that are in a position to do that. Um, it just makes your life so much richer to, to be able to be a door opener and, and someone who links you with somebody who can really use you or help you or, yeah. or something like that. And uh, no, that's good. Well, greater productivity. Second thing is greater encouragement. Why are two better than one? Uh, first of all, if you fall, you have somebody to pick you up. Second, when it gets cold, there's someone to keep you warm. He says, furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But who can one be warm? But how can one be warm alone? And I remember years ago reading an article in a business magazine about, um, is this called the story of the Sadhu. A Sadhu is a, a Indian holy man. And these uh, Americans were up hiking in the Himalayas. Well, more than hiking, they were they were uh, climbing a, a mountain and a blizzard set in and they realized they'd had, they needed to get down that hill quickly or they're going to die, get back to their base camp. So the, there's three of them. And as they're going down the camp, they come across a very thinly closed man who was almost frozen, just lying in the snow there. And apparently this holy man had tr- was trying to hike up the mountain for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but he had passed out. And so two of the men just left it. We can't help this guy and continued down the hill. But one of the men got him on his back and started painfully moving down the hill. And the blizzard got worse and worse and worse. And finally, the man with the man on his back tripped over something. He looked to see what he tripped on. And it was his two buddies who had frozen to death there. Hmm. But he and the Sadhu made it all the way to the base camp because the body warmth between the two of them kept them both alive and, and moving in that case. And I thought it was a great illustration of just um, how we can do things with other people that don't, we can't do by ourselves. Good enough to steal for a sermon. Dude. Yes. That's a, that's a great illustration. It's a great story. Yeah, it? absolutely. And I find that's what happens to me, that when I'm alone, I lose perspective very quickly. Yeah. And I'll, and I, but I, all I have to do is go talk to my wife or talk to you or talk to, talk to some friend and I get my perspective right. And it's encouraging and everything else. And God uses people to, to set me right. Yeah. I think we underestimate how dangerous it is to live in our own minds. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that if, if that's our only feedback loop is just being stuck in our minds, uh, it is such a grace to hear the perspective of someone else because yeah. it, it, it does get us back into sobriety, back right. into reality, just interacting with another human being. It's a connection to the world, yeah. to, to the external world that we desperately yeah. need. Yeah. And I, I heard a therapist one time say, if you're depressed, you don't want to hang out to anybody, here, here's why you need to hang out with someone. Just go have lunch with someone. If you don't find them interesting, because they are your connection to humanity. That's good. And, and you cannot cut that off. Yeah. And I think that's really what it is. We we don't realize how much we need just the connection yeah. for our own sanity. Yeah. Um, and I think that story illustrates it perfectly. In one sense, you know, you're carrying this guy, you think he has nothing to offer you. And yet just your connection to them is actually doing more for you than you could possibly yeah, imagine. Yeah, he probably couldn't even speak the guy's language. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that no Christian can say to another, I have no need of you. Yeah. And so Solomon says, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away, Proverbs 27, 10. That, that people uh, with families tend to neglect building friendships. Mm-hmm. But you need to have neighbors. You need to have friends besides your family because your family's not going to always be available for you when, when you need them. So I think it's 
just I remember uh, when Jenny was 13, doctor discovered a huge tumor in her stomach. And uh, I don't know if you remember it, but we all went to the movie because we were just so decimated by this and we wanted something to take off our minds. So we went to some silly kids movie about baseball and um, it didn't make us feel any better. <laughs> and, and we got home. But when we got home, there were all these messages on our recorder from all these people from church who were saying, we're praying for you. We heard about Jenny. And there was just something that just strengthened us and just restored our spirits right there when we just heard all these people were standing with us. And fortunately, it turned out to be she had an operation that was a benign tumor, and, and she was fine. But it's terrifying to parents to have something like that. And it was the, it was the church that got us through it. So that's uh, uh, another thing that uh, where two better than one. Uh, because when you fall, there's somebody to pick you up. When it gets cold, there's someone to keep you warm. Third, when you're attacked, there's someone to help. Mm-hmm. Two are better than one because uh, if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. We're, we're stronger. We're safer together. Um, and I think especially in this society, yeah. um, high crime and all the things that are going on, to be together is 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 invaluable. Yeah. It strikes me, you know, the where you hear this verse um, quoted the most is in wedding ceremonies. Yeah, yeah. And that's telling in our culture that people assume, well, the place I'm going to get this is from my spouse. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be my friend. And yes... That's true, but if you put that much weight on a marriage to be uh, your friendship with, with no one else, boy, um, there, there's a great predictor of marital unhappiness. Yes, yes, that's a great point. Um, you, you need other friends, and yeah. uh, uh, your, your spouse cannot do all of that for that's you right. all the time. That's right, and I think that's what we said about, about men um, ending up life in despair and lonely because they had great wives. They got all their social needs met through their wives. And then their wife is gone or their wife is preoccupied and stuff like that. And they're lonely. Mm-hmm. And that's, and they've never learned how to make friends or how mm-hmm. to be a friend and all those things. Anyway, greater strength. I know I've done the gutsiest things I've done with other Christians than rather than alone. Yeah. I, I've done things with other Christians. I never would have even thought about doing alone. And we're just we're we're braver together. We're stronger yep. together. We can we can do things together. Um, yeah. No, I think about playing contact sports. You know, whether it's yeah. football or rugby. You know what what will what will give you the fortitude to go out and and make that first hit, even though it hurts every time. Um, you're it's for your brother who you're playing aside from, and if you see them do it. You are so much more willing to throw your body on the line. Oh yeah! When you see them go out and 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 do it for you. Yeah. And it's like I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the weak link in this chain. I'm not going to be the one who fails to do my job. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm if if they're hurting like that, then I'm going to go hurt. Yeah. I was one of the smaller and slower guys on our rugby team, and at first I was so intimidated because the other team was so big. But what I learned was it didn't matter how big I was. What mattered was how big the guys on my team were. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we had one of the biggest, fastest teams around. And 
And uh, I had a great time because I was with those guys and they all knew how to play. And all I had to do was just kind of tag along and, <laughs> and, and grab somebody as, you know, and, and wait for somebody to come help yeah. tackle him and stuff like that. So it was a- uh, Get an so, ankle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was it, exactly what you're saying is that, so we're stronger together um, than we would be apart. We, we will always fold to fear when we're alone. Um, yeah, and it's such an American idea that that courage is this solo thing. Yeah. That, you know, here's the one guy who stands alone, and they go be courageous. But in reality, like, y- you need um, you need your band of brothers, you need your team, you need your friends. They're the ones that are really going to fortify you to to do risky things in life. Yes, exactly, and and that's so true spiritually. Yes, that that when you're with uh, when you have friends who are striving to please God. You will be a lot slower to give in to temptation yep. than when you don't, um, because like like attracts like, and so we just get so much more strength just for living the Christian life when we're with other people who are serious about living the Christian life. It's good. So, last thing is greater wisdom. Why are two better than one? And uh, again, I took I went. This is we're done with Ecclesiastes. We got three of the reasons two are better than one from Ecclesiastes. The other one is we're wiser. And that's Proverbs 13.20, which we saw, he who walks with wise men will be wise. Proverbs says no one is born smart, that wisdom has to be acquired. And the only place you can acquire wisdom is from wise people, are from the scriptures. And uh, I remember reading, somebody said that we are the result of the the friends we have and the books we read. So you will become like the people you associate the most with. Yep. And, uh, and that's just a, a given. Uh, and so Solomon says in Proverbs uh, 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Mm-hmm. That, that you can't trust enemies because they're no, they don't have your, the, your best interests in mind. They have their own best interests in mind. But friends, a true friend will wound you when you need to be wounded, to, to rebuke you, to correct you, to change you, all those things. And the only way we grow is when the, the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. Mm-hmm. And good friends bring the pain. Yep. They bring the pain of why we need to change, mm-hmm. and that's, that's for our good. Yeah, we love comfort. Yeah. And um, a good friend will not let you sit in comfort. No, no. So... It's good. Oil and uh, one more, and then we're done. Proverbs 27, 9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. And you think, how many people do you know that have a big decision to make, they don't ask for any advice? They try to make it on their own. And yet, Proverbs says, wisdom says, a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Yeah, It's sweet because he's a friend, and presumably he's a wise friend. And so he helps you to be wise in areas you're not wise in. Yeah, I've really noticed that in our culture, that people make big decisions and then announce them to their yes. friends <laughs> rather than bringing their friends into their decisions, yeah. right? So like a great example to me is I've had a few friends who we've really talked about moving when they'll move to a new area mm-hmm. for, for a long time. But that is the exception yeah. rather than the norm. Yes, Normally, uh, people announce, "Hey, we're moving to a new area." Yep, and and we're out of here. Just to let you know, and then you know you're supposed to bless that decision. 
But to me, that's one of the most consequential decisions you're going to make. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you've got, if you're rooted in a faith community uh, that's solid and that you've spent years and years and years developing these relationships. And then all of a sudden you just decide to up and leave. Um, you know, is that really a decision you should make unilaterally? Like, like where, what faith community exists in the place you're going? Is there a church there that you could reasonably see yourself connecting with? Have you made any connections there? What are you going to be doing there? Why are you going to be moving? What's your purpose in going there? What vulnerabilities does this expose you to? I just think there are so many things to consider when you move. Yeah. And I've often seen that that transition is very spiritually, uh, it can be disastrous for people. It's spiritually dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And, and it strikes me that because we're such a mobile society, there's such a thought that, well, moving isn't a big deal. It's a very big deal, especially if you've put roots down somewhere and you're going to uproot your life and go somewhere else. It's something to be considered very carefully with lots of wise counselors. Yeah, I agree. Especially, it's, it's very cli it's climatologically, climatologically dangerous to make when you live in the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> Because where are you going to find weather like this? <laughs> so what you're saying, Dad, is just never leave the Bay Area. Yeah, that's that's kind of what, the, yeah, that's that's kind of what you were... That was the subtext that's there. Subtext, you, yeah. But yeah. my question is, why do you think that that's such a common phenomenon that people do not bring other people into their big decisions? I don't know, but I wonder if it's a symptom of a deeper issue, which is that people have companions, people have acquaintances, people have associates, and they call that community, but they're not really friends. Yeah. Yeah. So that, it's, it's a lack of trust. It's a lack of trust. Yeah. And, and it's a lack of, I, I think it's, um, I, I think we want to make decisions that and we spend a lot of time by ourselves in this culture ruminating thinking about our decisions for a long time yeah. before we bring anybody else into them yeah just cuz we're more isolated yeah and so by the time we do we've already got thoughts in our head built up about why we need to do this and you know all of these these things and so we don't process with people yeah i i don't know it's a cultural thing where it's just uh we just don't bring people into decision-making. I don't have a really good answer to that. I think it's a symptom, though, of, of a deeper issue, which is that, that we, don't, we don't really have friendships. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that, that's a key, key issue. The other thing I think is most people make decisions emotionally rather than rationally or wisely. And so it's like you're going to buy a new car. I love the color of that car. I, just, I love the color of that car. Love the way it drives. I love the way it drives. I, you know, I, you know, I just, I love the way it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. You know, things like these things, and so you don't want to hear anybody saying, "Yeah, but, you know, what? How much does it cost to insure this thing? Right. And, and what's its what's its track record? Yeah. What? How how well does it stay together? You know, yeah. what, what's it going to be a hundred thousand miles from now? Yeah. And I think <laughs> and a you're lot... using your previous loan to finance this loan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the real yeah. So when people have a decision that they're making on an emotional basis, they don't want to hear any counter arguments because yes. they don't want to have to wrestle with this decision. They, they've made the decision. Okay, we've made the decision. Let's move on. I don't want to have to wrestle with it. Not realizing that wrestling is wise. Yes. That, that um, when the emotions for this thing are gone, am I still going to be happy I made the decision? Or am I going to say, oh, why didn't I look at this? Why didn't I look at that? So I think that's a lot of it. It's just uh, 
Yeah, all of a man's ways are right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Exactly. When you want something, you know, what the heart wants, the mind will justify. Yes. And you will come up with all of the pros. Yeah. And and minimize all of the cons. And I think we have such a high priority on acceptance in this culture that the, the best thing you can be as a friend is accepting and affirming. Yes. Yes. So I want to marry this person. I want to be in a relationship with this person. Well, the the highest goal of life, if it's self-actualization, well, this is something that's really deep in your heart that you want. And so my job as a friend is to be supportive, Yeah. to be affirming of that. Uh, it's not to question. In fact, you're a bad friend Yeah. if you will question my decision-making. You don't trust me. You don't, you know, and, and so I think you see a lot of that in our culture. Yeah. Whereas Proverbs would give the exact opposite. Like, yeah. If you really trust someone, they're going to be kind of a jerk to you in the sense of yeah. they're going to push back and say, no, that's not a good idea. And here's why. And here's why I wouldn't do that. And yeah. I, I think my closest friends, all of them have said things to me that have bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you tell me that? Why would you speak into my life that way? And then I think about it for a few days and go, you know what that means? That they've thought enough about my life to, yeah. to actually ask a question where they have a concern. Yeah. You know, I really need to take that more seriously than I'm taking it. Yeah. So so we just we just need that. And uh, you're not a good friend if you're just supportive, affirmative, accepting all the time. Yeah. I think that's why the more you read the Gospels, the more you see that Jesus would be considered very rude in our culture. <laughs> yeah. Because he's constantly doing that. Yeah. And, uh, but because he loves people. Yeah. And he knows they're moving in a destructive, destructive way. Yep. Well, this is, uh, this is why we need friends. Um, I think next time let's talk about what Proverbs says about how to get them, how to keep them. Great. Sounds good, Dad. I agree. Usually that's what I do is transition out, but you just did, <laughs> and I'm grateful for that. I'm not going to rebuke you for that, even though sometimes a friend would rebuke, but I just want to tell you I appreciate that transition. Hey, friends, listening. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back again, talk about how to make friends, how to keep friends. Hopefully you realize you need them and uh, help you take next steps in making those relationships. We'll be back with you again soon. 